Well, wasn't that a great story? One more time, everybody. Come on, let's celebrate. Those of you in the room, let's welcome everybody that is a part of church today online. I'm so glad you guys were able to be with us. Those of you online, so glad you were able to come be a part of this weekend service here with us. As already been mentioned uh, today, last weekend was uh, a big weekend, um, specifically for uh, my wife Megan and myself, uh, as the church voted and uh, you know gave us the opportunity to come and be the next lead pastors here at the church. Um, and you've no idea what this means to me individually, and I. I hope that uh, as a church, we're full of faith and full of confidence that God is, um, you know, he is not done with Word of Life Church. There are good things ahead. There are, there are good, incredible things that he has in store uh, for this church, and he has a mission that he has called us to be a part of. Um, and so last week was uh, a really wonderful weekend for us. Uh, all Sunday afternoon, our phones were blowing up, both mine and Megan's, as people were sending texts of encouragement, and people had very, very kind things to say, uh, and that meant the world to us. And uh, yeah, just thank you so much for, you know, for allowing us to get to this point. We really cannot wait. Um, but the message that I wanna share with you today uh, it's something that has been on my mind, or at least the verse that I'm going to be talking from has been on my mind for months. Uh, as we have been aware and as conversations with the elders, um, Pastor Randy, Marianne, uh, that the vote was coming, that there was going to be some kind of a handoff point that, you know, providing that the vote went the right way. Come on, somebody. Um, but with this in mind, uh, this verse kept coming to me. And the ver this verse that I'm going to be talking from has been on my mind for months. And so for months, this has been kind of marinating in my mind and been kind of cooking, uh, you know, in my head and in my heart. So I'm finally able to share it with you. Uh, and I'm going to let you know that this isn't necessarily an ordinary, typical message that I've put together. In lots of ways, it was actually a real challenge for me this week to just start organizing what was in my heart on the page for me to be able to come and bring it to you in hopefully a way that's an encouragement. Um, so this is not necessarily an ordinary message that I would share on a Sunday morning, um, but I do believe it's on time. I believe it's the right moment, the right weekend to share it, uh, and I hopefully you get to see something of the heart that Megan and I have for this church and the heart that we have for ministry as I share with you what I believe is going to be helpful for us today. So uh, I'm a little bit of a soda bottle that's been shaken up, and you are the brave people that are opening it up. The verse I want to share and the verse that's been on my mind is found in the book of John, and this is... Uh, we're going to start in chapter uh, 4, and before I read this, uh, we're going to talk about this verse and why this verse specifically has stood out and has really exploded in my mind and has come to mean so much, and then we're going to look at the, the broader context of the, uh, the passage that it's lifted from a little bit later on, but I want to share with you specifically the verse that's been on my mind for so long, which is verse 38. This is Jesus talking, I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. And that's from the New Living Translation. A traditional translation might say, you will reap where you didn't sow. The message paraphrase puts it this way, I sent you to harvest a field you never worked. Without lifting a finger, you have walked in on a field worked long and hard by others. And as I've been able to uh, be here, been a part of the staff for over a year now, I can tell you, this is how I feel as I've come to be a part of the church. It was back in uh, September 
2019, so a good amount of time ago now, Pastor Randy first made contact with, with myself and Megan as we knew that a transition was coming for us and we were eagerly trying to find out what a next mission was gonna be for us. And so we kind of uh, made connections with Pastor Randy and uh, he let us know that retirement was coming. He didn't know when. He didn't know exactly all the details, but there was a, an idea that it was coming, the belief that him and Marianne were ready for a new season of retirement. And the hope was that the executive pastor position would be filled by somebody that would go on to take on the lead pastor role. And so the interview process was intensive. It was long. We made um, four or five trips up here from New Jersey to come meet with the elders, meet with the pastoral staff. Uh, and through that time, we became to be uh, a real level of confidence that this was the right place for us. I would even say that on our first time here, we knew that this was where we were going to be. We felt at home here. We felt that this was a strong, healthy church that would be a joy to be a part of. And then Groundhog Day, 2020, was the first time I was invited to come and share a message uh, from this platform. So any, anybody here, Groundhog Day 2020? Anybody take Groundhog Day off church because you're celebrating Groundhog Day? <laughs> Stranger things have happened, but I was able to come and share and uh, it was an honor then and it's an honor now to come and stand up here and be a part of what God is doing. But over the last few months, as we made the switch up here, uh, despite the pandemic, despite the shutdown, despite all the logical reasons to stay put in New Jersey, hunker down and wait for this to all blow over, we decided to come uh, and we're confident that it was the right decision. But as we made the switch up here, what we found as being a part of the staff, being a part of what God is doing here, being a part of uh, the reopening efforts of the church, this church is in a strong position. The staff that the church has assembled here is truly incredible. Some wonderful, wonderful people make up the staff, the pastoral team of the church here. The elders and the trustees like each other. I'm gonna move on. There's an honesty and a transparency around the finances of the church. There's a real trust among the leadership. The church has a good reputation in the community. And as I was observing all this and learning all this as I was able to come be a part of the full-time staff here, I was realizing the truth of the verse that was on my mind that others had already done the work and now you will get to gather the harvest. And the idea of sowing and reaping or planting and harvesting, it's a very uh, common imagery or metaphor or analogy that the Bible uses. You'll see it many, many times throughout the Bible that's used for different reasons, sometimes good, sometimes bad. But essentially the planting or the sowing, this really does point to uh, the idea of hard work. I would even say it's lonely. Sowing is lonely. Getting out there, planting seed is lonely work. It's taking a chance. It's hoping that this is going to bear a harvest. It's hoping that if I just plant this seed, if I do it in faith, God is gonna do something good with it. But then you come to harvest, and harvest is a very different mentality. Harvest isn't lonely. And it isn't, you know, just hoping. Instead, it's short-term gratification because you can see the harvest right in front of you and it's just going to go get it with joy. Harvest isn't lonely because it's all hands on deck. Harvest is the time that you hire extra staff to come and help you get the harvest in. Harvest is a time of joy. Harvest is when it's all hands on deck. It's not isolated or lonely, but it's directly related to what happened or didn't happen during seed time. And uh, as I've got here, and I've thought about 
the incredible faithfulness of this church. And now we get to come here and we get to harvest where we have not worked, we have not sacrificed, we have not dug deep. You have no idea what this does to us on the inside. And I'm not the only one, let I me mean, just for the sake of this, and those of you online, I want you to participate, but uh, if you were a part of Word of Life Church um, prior to 2003, would you just raise your hand or prior to 2003, everyone else, if you take a look around online, drop in the chat that you were here prior to 2003. For those of us that don't have our hands up, because I obviously was not here in 2003, the people that did have their hands up, they sowed seed to make sure this building was possible. Those of us that weren't here in 2003, we are reaping a harvest for ground we did not work. Any good ministry that happens in this building or from this building as we go online and we go wherever we can send this online, it is a direct result of faithfulness of people in 2003 and prior that made that possible. And with that realization, apply that to the whole church and the lead pastor position, that gives you an idea of how this feels right now to step into this role after the vote last week. This is a good church. This is not a church in crisis. So many times as a new pastor will step into a role. They're walking into a crisis. They're walking into a disaster. There's been a moral failure. There has definitely not been a moral failure. The finances are dwindling. The finances of the church are strong and healthy. There's, the building is falling apart. The building is not falling apart. There's some kind of uh, infighting among the elders and trustees. There is no infighting among the elders and trustees. Instead, we get to come and we get to be a part of a church that is healthy, that is strong, that is doing well, and we get to be a part of seeing what God has next for the church. <clears throat> it's very easy. It's plain as day to see God's faithfulness in the history of this church. But it's important that we also see and we believe that God still has plans for the future. The church's best days are not behind us. The church's best days are yet to come. Amen. And I want to dig in a little bit more to that passage from John 4. And this is a passage, many of you all know it well, specifically the conversation that happened prior to where we're going to pick up. But Jesus had met a Samaritan woman, and he'd got, just gone t uh, talking to her and had told her all kinds of amazing things that blew her mind and got her to the point where she was ready to live for Jesus, to live for him, to live a life of faith. And she'd gone off to tell the rest of the village uh, about the amazing man that she'd just met and how he can change their lives too. And the disciples, they'd just gotten back from town where they were off buying food. And they were somewhat concerned when they came in, and here's Jesus, and he's breaking the cultural norm by uh, talking with a woman, but not only a woman, but also a Samaritan woman that was cloaked in shame. She had a bad reputation around town. And Jesus took the opportunity to teach them about what really matters. So we're going to go back to uh, verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Now, just a fun side point, he just got done teaching the lady about eternal life and eternal principles and about kingdom values based on water because they were getting water. And now the conversation has switched to food because that's what the disciples are all about. Anyhow, verse 32, but Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, 
But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. In verse 34, Jesus says, my nourishment, nourishment comes from doing the will of God. This nourishment that Jesus is talking about, doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work and just simply thinking about the way that Jesus is trying to connect the disciples' conversation, the disciples' question about food. And here's Jesus saying, okay, I have a type of food that you don't know anything about. My nourishment, my food comes from doing the will of God. My energy, my sustenance comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. What is the nourishment that Jesus is talking about? This nourishment, this food, this sustenance, this thing that keeps him going, to use his own analogy, what motivates him to keep going, what moves him forward, what fuels him, what energizes him, the motive that he has. Verse 36, the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What motivated Jesus? What kept him going? What was the fuel that he had? What was that energy, that sustenance? He used the picture of food. What was it that kept Jesus going, that motivated him in his mission? Using his own analogy, people finding eternal life. What mattered to Jesus? What kept him going? What was in the front of his mind? What kept him focused? What was that nourishment? What was that sustenance? It was people who were previously excluded from a relationship with him, now being included in a relationship with him. And I believe that that has been, and that will continue to be the heartbeat of this church. The people will find eternal life in Jesus, just in the same way it was sustenance and energizing for Jesus to have that in the front of his mind. I believe it will sustain and energize us as a church as we never lose focus, that we have a call to reach people who do not know Jesus and let them know about a savior who can set them free, who can bring hope, who can bring eternal life, and who can repair a broken relationship with God. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. Both the planters and the harvester find joy. What energized Jesus also energizes his disciples. You know the saying, our plants are one plants and another harvests. And it's true. One plants and another harvest. There's a biblical pattern, and this is a, a much bigger message that I'm not gonna dive in the deep end today, but there is a clear biblical pattern that we see repeatedly about God using somebody to initiate something to start something, to get something moving, and then there being a continuation by someone else. We see that Abraham passed on to Isaac, who passed on to Jacob. We see Moses passing over to Joshua to continue what he started. We see Elijah passing over to Elisha to continue what was started. We even see John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus to come and continue the ministry. And there's some famous sayings, every ceiling becomes a floor. Sir Isaac Newton standing on the shoulders of giants. And these sayings have become familiar, and some of you may have even heard these before in different contexts, but it's this idea that our greatest achievements are the starting point for those to come. Our greatest achievements are the starting point for those to come, and for us, that the faithfulness of God that we can clearly see in the history and the heritage and the legacy of this church, he has given us, as of today, an incredible starting point to continue what he has called us to do. 
the history, the heritage, the legacy, the faithful sowing, the faithful sacrifice that has happened to get the church to this point has given us an incredible start to continue to move forward full of confidence, full of faith, full of hope that God is going to continue his mission of reaching people who don't know him yet to let them know about the hope they can have in Jesus for eternal life. One generation sacrifices so another generation can move forward. One generation sows seed so the next can reap. And please hear me, I don't want this to be all about me and about me and Megan and even to compare us to Pastor Randy and Mary Ann, but rather I really believe and I want to communicate today that there is a promise that's on this church. There is a promise that is on this church that the greatest days, the most fruitful days are ahead of us, the most amazing harvests are ahead, that all the faithfulness that people have shown in this church has set us up for an incredible future, that the story that God is writing with Word of Life Church still has chapters ahead of us. There are still people in this community who need Jesus. There are still hurting people we need to reach. There are still believers who need encouragement and strengthening. There's still work that God has in front of us. There is still good harvest that God has put in front of us. And let me tell you, when we start to see good harvest continuing in this church, people getting saved, people getting healed, people being set free, dysfunctional households finding function, chaos getting order, all those things. When we start to see all those things, let me tell you who the happiest people on the planet are going to be. Pastor Randy and Mary Angers. As they're enjoying retirement, as they're embracing their time in retirement, I'm telling you, when I'm shooting them emails, You'll never guess what's happened up in here. You'll never guess what's going on at the church. You'll never guess the miracle that just took place. You'll never guess how God has used us to advance beyond what you guys had in mind. They will be the happiest people on the planet when they get those emails. When I'm able to talk with them on the phone and relay how God is continuing to use the church they lovingly served for decades, they will be the happiest people on the planet. When they come up here to see Pastor Mike, because he's not retiring because he hasn't done any work yet. But when they come up to visit, <laughs> when they come up to visit Pastor Mike and we get to give them some updates on how God is using the church that they love so dearly, they will be the happiest people on the planet. Why? Because the harvesters and the planters alike shall rejoice when the harvest comes in. That's what makes this a healthy transition. Last week, we had so many kind words. So many people took the time to reach out to us and let us know how pleased they were that we were going to be stepping into this position. But I can tell you this with extreme confidence. Nobody has been more encouraging and more kind than Pastor Randy and Marianne in letting Megan and I know we are so happy you guys are here. We're so happy that you're going to be taking over. Nobody has been more encouraging than them. So when I get to fast forward a year, let them know how God is doing great things through this church. They will be the happiest people on the planet. And I don't know about you, but that brings me some joy. And I just want to, come on, can we take a moment? Let's just show some honor and respect to our pastors. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work. And now you will get to gather the harvest. There's a couple of thoughts that I want to share as this verse has been on my mind. And I'm going to say with a degree of confidence that Megan would feel the same way. Right? Oh, this could get dicey. Okay. The first thing that it stirs in us is an awe of God. 
an oar of God, I sent you. I sent you. How did we end up here? How did we end up being able to be a part of a great church that's doing well, that's healthy, that's strong? After years of Megan and I waiting and, and wondering what our assignment is gonna be and what it is that God had in front of us, to finally come here and find such an amazing church with some of the most wonderful people I'm ever gonna meet. This is incredible to me and it just makes me think, God, only you could have woven our story together to get us here for this time to be part of this church, to take on the position that you've put in front of us. It gives me an absolute awe that God has got us here. Only he could do this. Only he could weave this one together. The second thing is humility. You didn't plant. God sent us, but we didn't earn this. How, I don't know how on earth we could make a sensible case that we deserve to be here. It's right that we're here. If anything, I'm wondering about the common sense of you, those of you that said, yes, we should be the lead pastors here because it's quite something that it got us here. The humility, God got us here. We didn't plant the humility that brings to us. And what that means, and it's already been mentioned as something that was shared as part of the transition today, is that anything that God does here, anything good that God does, any good harvest that's coming, without a straight face, I could never take credit for what happens. How could I possibly say, yeah, it's because of me. I don't know how I could possibly make that case, the humility that comes when I realize and I recognize, you know what, I did not build this church. I came in, others did the hard work, others sacrificed, others sowed, and now somehow, in God's goodness and his grace, he has brought us here to be a part of a harvest. Unbelievable to me. The third thing is honor. Honor, specifically honor to show others. Others had already done the work. The church being in a strong position, it just brings out so much gratitude and honor and respect for so many of you. There are people that are here today, there are some of you online, that you have been a part of this church for decades. And for decades, you have faithfully been praying for this church. For decades, you have been serving. For decades, you have been tithing. For decades, you have been protective of this church's reputation in the community. Do you have any idea the honor that brings, the honor that I have for those of you that have been builders of this church for so long? The gratitude that I have, the honor that I have for you is unbelievable. And I hope for those of you that have been a part of the church for a long time, that you truly are filled with optimism and faith and confidence that God really does have great days ahead. And the fourth thing is confidence. As I think about this verse, and again, this verse has been running around in my head for a long time now, but as I think about it, it does bring a confidence. And now you will get to gather the harvest. You will get to gather the harvest. God is not done with word of life. He has more in store. He has plans for this church. He has people that he wants to bring home to this church. That gives me an incredible confidence. And now you will get to gather the harvest. And for us, it's stunning. It's amazing that we have the honor and the privilege of being able to come and be a part of everything. It was, uh, trying to do some quick math in my head, it was probably 14, 15 years ago that Megan and I met in Bible college. And Megan was living in Montana at the time, and she was there, had a strong sense of calling of God on her life that she was called for ministry or church leadership. I'm in the UK. 
I'm feeling a similar thing that God, you've got something in store for me. You, you know, it's my life mission is to be a part of church leadership. And we both left to go to the same Bible college. And a guy from England and a guy from Montana, they met, fell in love. It took her a little time to catch up, but she got there. And we came together and we knew we had this confidence that God, you've got ministry for us. You've called us to be a part of church leadership. You've got something for us. And we just made a commitment together that we were gonna be a ministry couple, that we were gonna devote our lives to his work. We were gonna devote our lives to building the church and we were gonna do this together. And we were so full of confidence and faith. And then the waiting season continued. And we ended into a real season of waiting. And for me, and I've shared this with some of you, I can't remember if I've shared it publicly uh, on a Sunday, but when I became a Christian at 19, I very quickly believed that I was called for ministry to essentially do what we're doing today and be up here and teaching from the Bible and uh, you know, sort of church leadership, all those things is what I believed at 19. I had no idea what was involved. I had no idea what was going on, but I believe that's what God had for me. But it wasn't until I got to the age of 30 that it finally happened. So that's an 11-year waiting period 11 years of believing that God had called me to preach and teach. And in those 11 years, I tried to count one time and I got to seven, but it's definitely less than 10 times I ever went to go preach anywhere. People didn't want me to preach at their youth groups. They didn't want me to preach at their old people's home. They didn't want me to preach at their men's ministry. They didn't want me to preach at their Sunday morning service. Nothing. It was just nothing. And so for 11 years, just waiting like, God, I believe this is what you've called me to do. We made major life decisions based on this confidence that this is what God had for us. And it would be a wonderful story if I stood here and said for 11 years I was resolute, never wavered, full of confidence that whole time, full of belief, always optimistic. It would be a flat-out lie, but it would be nice to tell you that. There were moments where I was like, God, have I just mistaken this whole thing? Have I got this all wrong? Do I need to go back to school and start picking up something? Because believe it or not, this may surprise you, employers are not impressed with a degree in theology. Have I got this wrong? And this season of waiting and waiting. And then for Megan, there was also a season of waiting and waiting as we're in this together. And then as we started to have kids, and I've shared with you many times about uh, the special needs that our kids have, and as we started to learn about the special needs, that changed our entire parenting dynamic and what was involved in parenting, and um, oftentimes that felt that Megan's responsibilities as a parent increased. So that then threw us into another season of waiting and waiting, just hoping that God would break through, that God would bring something together, that God would pull something out of this. And through that whole season of waiting, we believed and we hoped and we trusted that God had something for us. We, we, we believed and we wanted to. We're like, God, you've brought us together. Lord, we believe we've heard you right. We want to do something. And so we just uh, made the transition here. And you've no idea on a personal level how appreciative I am and how appreciative we are that we can finally say, God, you've let us loose. You've brought us into a season where we can minister in a way that I believe that we're called to do so. And I'm so happy, I'm so happy that everyone has been so receptive, not only to me being on staff, but also for myself and Megan um, operating as a team. 
the commitment that we made and the dreams that we dreamt back in Bible college that we would be a ministry couple, that we would charge full into the wilderness and we would go and we would kick down doors of crack houses and the whole business. Those dreams that we had, that we would be a church that would reach people. And the fact that we're able to do this together as a couple and the church has been so receptive and the incredible uh, welcome that Megan has had as she's joined the pastoral team has just been unbelievable. And it just fills us as a couple with so much optimism that there is so much ahead. And the fact that you guys have been so welcoming to the both of us and have been so receptive to us coming in and leading together as a team has been truly magnificent. And I couldn't tell you just how incredibly optimistic and full of faith and full of confidence I feel right now that God has brought us here to do something incredible, that there is a harvest that he wishes to bring in and it is a joy that we get to be a part of it. But... But there is a challenge. There is a challenge to not fall in the trap of believing that the best harvest is behind us. I'll share this verse with you from Deuteronomy back in the Old Testament. The Lord your God will soon bring you into the land he swore to give you when he made a vow to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is a land with large prosperous cities that you did not build. The houses will be richly stocked with goods you did not produce. You will draw water from cisterns that you did not dig, and you will eat from vineyards and olive trees you did not plant. When you have eaten your fill in this land, be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Cities they didn't build, houses stocked with goods they didn't work for, wells they didn't dig, fruit they didn't plant, and the warning that when the times are good, they will completely forget God. And how do we avoid that problem? Keep building, keep digging, keep planting. Remember and honor the past and never ever forget the God who got us here in the first place. You combat these problems by never giving up sowing. And in the natural is, you know, I know as much about farming as I do about brain surgery. But what I do know is that in the natural planting, sowing, reaping, harvesting, what you plant comes from what you harvested last season. See, what last season would be considered fruit, this season is considered seed. And so right now, as we think about this, and we're in a season of harvesting, But there is the challenge that comes from this, and I think this is a challenge from Deuteronomy, that we don't just look at what's being harvested right now as this is just purely something to enjoy for enjoyment's sake, but it's God, you are bringing something good here so that this can give us something else to continue planting. God has brought us incredible harvest, not simply so that we can enjoy the harvest, but that we've got something else to plant when it's time to plant. When God is doing something wonderful, and I believe he has, and I believe he will continue to do so, the mistake that we're warned about in Deuteronomy is that we'll get so wrapped up in enjoying the harvest that we forget to plant. God is doing good things. He will continue to do good things. The challenge is what we remember to keep planting, to take the good stuff that he's blessed us with, the good things that he's doing in our church, and keep planting, keep planting, keep planting, keep digging wells, Keep filling houses with stocked goods. All those things we read about in Deuteronomy. Just keep going and going and going because every harvest points to a future harvest. 
Every harvest points to a future harvest because every harvest is what gives you the seed to keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. And for us, there is a lot more harvest to come. There is a lot more harvest to come. I believe that this is a church where anyone and anyone can come and grow closer to Jesus and grow closer in their relationship with God. Whether this person is an angry atheist that hates God, is mad at the church, or whether this is someone that has been saved for decades, I believe this is a church where anyone can grow closer to Jesus. I believe this is a church where we will see a harvest where people are embracing the calling that God has on their life. I believe that this is a church where people will know that they truly matter to God that families are welcomed and kids and teens learn how to navigate the world while keeping true to their faith, that this will be a church, that this will be a house where the worship transforms hearts as we step in and we engage and we embrace the presence of God, that this is gonna be a church that has a reputation for being a community where you meet with God and experience a glimpse of on earth as it is in heaven, that there'll be faithful preaching that corrects minds to live more and more with kingdom values, where dysfunctional, chaotic lives find peace and order, where addictions are broken once and for all, where the seriousness of sin is understood, where remarkable creativity is shown as we outreach to the community. This is a place where religious mindsets and mentalities are challenged, where grace is flat out irresponsible and lavished on anyone and everyone, where the sacrifice of Jesus is revered and honored where people find a savior that loves them more than I could ever describe. That is the kind of harvest I want to be a part of. And that's the kind of harvest that will give us seed to keep going and going and going. Uh, this past week, I had a chance to be a part of one of our elders meetings. And uh, there's a couple in the church, a family in the church, Bob and Chris Paul. A lot of you, I'm sure, will know them very well. And as part of the elders' meeting, we were swapping stories. And one of the stories that Bob shared was about how him and his family became to be a part of Word of Life, how they became to be members here. And he said that it was before uh, this half of the building. Right now, we're here in the main campus. Uh, so the property was the South Campus, what's currently used for kids' ministry and for uh, the, uh, the school that the church runs. And so they were meeting over there, and typically church services would be held in what's currently used as a chapel, and uh, the, that week, the sanctuary, as it was called then, was being redecorated and remodeled, and some work was taking place in there. And so the church met in the gym uh, over on the school side. And so the Pauls came, enjoyed church, all good. The next time they came, uh, the newly renovated, the refurbished worship center or the sanctuary was open, and that's where they had church, back where they were used to having it. But they'd had some work done. It was extensive work. And so there's a level of excitement about the new building that they were able to come and be a part of at church this weekend. And Pastor Randy gets up and he says, isn't it great? This building is getting better and better. We're taking good care of it. It's in great condition. It's been remodeled. But if we don't see souls saved in this place, I'd rather it all burned. If we don't see souls saved, if we don't see people connect with Jesus in this place, if we don't help people rescue their eternity, I'd rather it all burned. And Bob had no idea what that meant to me as he shared that on Tuesday. But what I took from that and what I believe, not just from that statement, but from things that I've heard about this church, I've heard from Pastor Randy and I've heard from many others, that 
that heart, that attitude. If all of this is not gonna help people connect with Jesus, it's better it all burns. I believe that attitude is what has driven this church forward. It has driven this church to sacrifice big, to sow big, to plant big. It's that attitude, it's that spirit that has got us to the point where I can say, it's the new pastor that's been voted in that has made this church exceptional and an exciting chance for us to continue to see what God has done. That that attitude, if this isn't for people finding God, better to let it all burn. That's the spirit, that's the mantle that this church carries. We didn't take this over, we didn't take over a hot mess. We didn't come in and have to fix a bunch of stuff. This is a healthy church. If this is your church home, you're a part of a good church. I get to say that because I'm the new guy. This is a good church you're a part of. And God has plans ahead. I wanna take this and rather than it being general and abstract, I wanna try and bring this to be more specific. This is a good church. And it's the kind of church where your coworkers can encounter God. It's the kind of church where your adult children that are sacrificing and drifting, they can reconnect their faith. Where your teens are gonna be loved and mentored by young adults who truly believe in them. Where your elementary age kids can come and learn about Jesus at such a young age that they get to sidestep all the drama and all the travesty of their teenage years where young adults can bring their questions and doubts and fears and can have rational conversations about how amazing Jesus is. That we would have a school that meets so that kids can learn in a safe, God-honoring environment where the gospel is preached and the timeless message of Jesus changes lives. My biggest hope is that it's when it's time for me to retire my ceiling will become the next person's floor. That they will be able to stand on the shoulders of others and go further and see greater harvest than we ever saw in our generation. I wanna invite you at this time to stand. Those of you that are at home, if you feel comfortable standing, that's cool with me. I'm gonna share a verse with you. It's a verse from the Old Testament. And I promise I don't say this lightly. I believe this is a word from the Lord for Word of Life Church. And for this to be a word that sticks, it means you and I need to grab a hold of it and don't let go. I'm gonna share this verse with you in just a moment. But before I do, I really wanna invite you to have your heart opened right now. Have your mind open. Are you gonna grab a hold of this word and say, you know what, this is one for me. This is one for our church. This is one for my life group. This is one for our ministry team. This is one for the area that I serve in. This is one for me and my family. Verses from Amos 9, verse 13. The time will come, says the Lord, when the grain and grapes will grow faster than they can be harvested. There is a time when the grain and grapes will grow faster than they can be harvested. What does it look like when the harvest is growing faster than you and I can keep up? I don't know, but I wanna find out. 
I want to find out what it looks like when people are pouring through these doors, desperate to encounter the love of God, and they're coming in faster than we can contain it. When people have got questions and we can't even keep up with answering them. When people are calling us up and saying, hey, I hear that if I get there on a Sunday morning, I can encounter God. I don't even know what this is going to look like, but I believe this is a word from us that the harvest is coming, that you and I as harvesters cannot even keep up. I don't know what it looks like, but I don't know about you, but I want to grab onto this word so I can find out. I want to know what Baldwinsville looks like if we believe this word and take it seriously that the harvest is going to outpace our best efforts because then, my friends, we will truly need God. We will need the Holy Spirit to help us if we're going to keep up with a harvest that we can't deal with in the natural. Lord, we need you to help us take care of these amazing people that you brought home. This is the kind of church I am waiting to be a part of. And when we start to experience this, my friends, I cannot wait to send an email to Pastor Randy. And let him know how the good seed that he's sown for decades is producing a harvest that outlasted his ministry here. What a great honor that email will be. Well, my friends, right now, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. I don't want you to decide what you need to grab a hold of right now. But if this is your church home, I want you to pray along with me. I want you to engage in this moment. Don't just close your eyes and start thinking about what's happening this afternoon. Engage in this moment. As we're going to pray, and I believe that this is the kind of prayer that can shift some things. So, Lord, we're here right now. Lord, I pray that there is a true spirit of humility that washes upon this place. Lord, the awe of how amazing it is that you brought us here, that you've brought us all together, that you've done great things through this church, and you've got great things ahead. Lord, the honor that we need to show for those people that have sown faithfully for years and decades the respect that needs to be shown to the rich heritage and legacy of this church. Lord, and the confidence that you are not done. You have great harvests ahead for this house. You have great harvests ahead for this community of believers. Lord, I ask that you speak to your people right now. Lord, that you speak to people's hearts. Lord, you move. Lord, you give people confidence that you are not done. Lord, we worship you. We love you. We trust you. This church is yours. This church is yours. That same nourishment that you said, what sustains you, what energizes you, what keeps you going, is people finding eternal life in you. I pray that that would also be our motivation. That would be what energizes us, is the lost being found. Oh, Lord, I believe in you. believe you've got good plans for this house. Oh, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, everybody, do you believe this? That he has got good things ahead. If you wouldn't mind remaining standing, mentioned a few times in the message today that the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. This was the motivation of Jesus. This is the motivation of churches worldwide. Is helping people connect with God. Helping people whose relationship with God is broken. 
that they can find that relationship healed and whole because of what Jesus Christ did on a cross 2,000 years ago. My friends, it was 18 years ago now, I made the decision to follow Jesus and it's easily the best decision I ever made. In those 18 years, there've been ups, there's been downs, but I've never once regretted my decision to follow Jesus. And I wanna extend that invitation to you today for you to be honest enough and open enough to say, you know what, I'm not following God, I'm distant from God, my relationship with Him is broken, but I want that to end today. I wanna figure out one foot in front of the other what a life of faith looks like. And my friend, I wanna invite you to take the first step and just pray a simple prayer. And my promise to you is, if you pray a prayer like that full of faith, life changes, your life changes. So if you mind just closing your eyes and bowing your heads, this just gives some discretion to people around you, but also give you a chance to focus on what really matters right now. But if you be honest enough and open enough today to say, Tom, you know what? I'm not following God. I'm not following Jesus. I'm done. I'm ready to start following Him. I'd love to pray for you. So if you want to just put your hand in the air, just so I know that when we pray in a moment, I'll know who we're praying for. Amen. Anybody else here? Thank you. Anyone else? Online, you can just hit the button that says, I raise my hand. I promise we're not gonna do anything weird or anything that's gonna embarrass you. But if this is for you today, I'd love to pray for you. Anyone else here would say, Tom, I'm ready to start following God. I'm ready to start getting real about faith. Amen, thank you. Anybody else? I don't wanna drag this out unnecessarily, but I don't want you to miss this chance. Is there anybody else here that would say, when you pray in a moment, Please include me. Amen. Amen. Come on, Word of Life Church, let's celebrate God moving in people's hearts today. I'm bringing them home. Well, we're going to pray a prayer together, and the words are going to be on the screen. I'll say a line and then you repeat it back to me and I'll ask everyone here to pray this full of faith that somebody is praying this for the full first time and their lives are going to be transformed. So come on everybody, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I want to follow you. I invite you to be Lord of my life. Help me follow you every day. I want to leave my old life of sin behind and heal my broken relationship with God. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, one more time, everybody. Let's celebrate. like how he just gets up here, makes me all emotional and then expects me to keep it together. (sighs) 
For those of you that did make a decision today, I would say three things. Today, tell somebody. To say, hey, when that British guy was talking, something made sense. I want to put one foot in front of the other. Today, tell somebody. Tomorrow, read your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we have them at the Information Center. You can get them on the App Store. We would love to gift you a Bible. App Store is free. Dig in the Bible. Great place to start is the Book of John. Spend two minutes a day, three minutes a day, whatever. But dig in. Hear what God has to say about how much He loves you and what it means to live in a relationship with Him. And the third thing is next week, get yourself back in church, man. We'd love to see you. We'd love to help you figure out what being a part of the community of believers looks like. So tell somebody today, read your Bible tomorrow and get yourself back in church next week. Amen. Well, come on, let's welcome back Annie and Nick as they help us figure out our next step.